Sweet Stash is a home-baked business specializing in cake pops, brownies, cakes, and more. Celebrate your special occasions with all of your favorite people. If we're at a party and they have Sweet Stash, I know where Mario will be. Buy the cake pop stand. To place your orders, check them out on Facebook or Instagram. Are you all ready to up your drinking game? Absinthe Minded AZ is a pretty freaking amazing and super rare company. Absinthe is truly an acquired taste type of drink. People like Picasso, Hemingway, and Van Gogh were known to throw back a few. I mean, The Raven may have never been written if Edgar Allan Poe wasn't drinking this stuff. Who, by the way, was an artilleryman in the United States Army. Go Redlegs! This misunderstood spirit became legal again in the United States in 2007. And now you can try it for yourself here in AZ. Plus, co-owners Doc Ordovich and Justin Slusher are pretty cool dudes. Absence Minded is produced with 100% natural herbs based off of traditional formulations with variations to accommodate the palates of the modern drinker. Pour, sip, and enjoy. So if you want to find out more about this amazing company, go to their Facebook page or AbsenthemindedAZ.com. And their Instagram page is pretty dope. They are warriors trained to survive, trained to kill. While some don their armor and defend the flock, others lurk in the shadows, plotting their next attack. They will dishonor their oath. They will rape and murder. Were these monsters born this way, or are they a product of their surroundings? This is Dishonorable Mention. Fallen! Alright, alright, everybody take a seat, grab a drink, let's get this show started. Three, two, one, let's go! Woo! We're back, baby! We got another episode of Dishonorable Mentions, and we got a special guest today. Of course, you know I'm doing this intro, so that means only one thing. Crystal is not here to shame me. So uh, I get to do whatever I want, right? And um, my buddy here, uh, he's with me. I mean, you heard him already. Uh, Chris, Chris Flowers, you don't really need an intro. You've been on the show plenty of times. You've, you've hosted <laughs> the show uh, yourself a, a few times. So, uh, but, but here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Flowers, contributor, partner, uh, great guy. Uh, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing really good, and just I got to give a shameless plug to you know. Here's the deal, my podcast, which of course you helped me start, and you're the one that kicked me in the ass to get it started. Uh, tomorrow we're going to record with Roe Gonzalez of Valors, so we're going to go into everything about Roe and him being a Marine, and uh, and then you know how he started Valors. So you know, tune into the podcast. On here's the deal that you're going to hear about all about Roe and what he's doing over there at Valors. Yeah, you guys go check out. Uh, here's the deal with Chris Flowers. It's an amazing show. He does a lot of stuff on uh, finances, helping out veterans, but also uh, just um, helping them out in, in different ways, right? Transitioning. Uh, Roe, obviously, who's been out of the military for quite a bit of time, but he is also a, a, a wealth of knowledge for all you veterans mm -hmm. out there getting out of the military, looking for uh, the next job, the next career, or, or just your path in life, right? Both Chris 
and Ro can can help you guys uh, get there. So, uh, you know, support the podcast, not only because it's, you know, cool and fun, but uh, you get a lot of good info and you might not be the person who needs the, the, the info, but there's a lot of veterans out there that do. Uh, so go check them out and support them for that reason. Our podcast... Ours is just a shit show, so don't worry about this one. You know, but these <laughs> no, guys. Not last week, not last week's was dope. Now, not last week's, I think that I think you hit it out of the park. That's probably like the best show you've done in like three years, man. I'm telling you. Oh, well, thank you. I that appreciate. Was, that was that we yeah we we went we went places. We have some very sick friends. We um yes we um. We got a lot of we got a lot of hits on that one, uh, both positive and negative. But we got we got a, a lot of people enjoyed it. And if you haven't heard it, uh, we talked about torture. It was one of our uh, Tales from the Guard Tower episodes where we talk about whatever, uh, whatever the hell we want to talk about, right? Uh, whatever you would talk about if you were bored for twelve hours straight. Uh, that's the kind of stuff you'll find on uh, Tales from the Guard Tower. But today's episode, speaking of torture, I know you mentioned earlier a few ideas you had on what you would do to this guy. And we're talking about <laughs> John Allen Muhammad, uh, also uh, or formerly known as John Allen Williams. And um, this is the DC sniper, guys. Uh, we're talking about the or also known as I'm the. I'm going to call John Williams because his mama called call John Williams. <laughs> also <laughs> known as the Beltway. The Beltway murders. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so for you guys out there, if you have not heard Chris and I uh, on the show together, uh, you're in for a wild ride. Just let me tell you that. So if you thought Chris and I got crazy, uh, just wait till you listen to me and, and Chris here. Um, but, uh, yeah, Beltway, uh, murder that was our Beltway murders. Sorry, murder plural. Uh, that that's the guy, right? Him and his, uh, his buddy, uh, Malvo, whatever. I forget his, his first name. Uh, it's Lee Boyd Malvo. He was only 16 when these two connected. Uh, he was 17 when they got caught. So these two idiots, <laughs> if you will, um, are, are the, 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 uh, Beltway with, with the freaking DC snipers, freaking. I'm but already forgetting everything. Can you really, can you really blame the kid, man? I mean, the kid, you know, young, impressionable kid. You know, what I mean, I mean, I'm not saying you know he couldn't make his own decisions, but you know, he was he was in a, he was in a bad place, man. You yeah, know saying that you know mom wasn't paying attention to him or like that. He's abandoned. Mom kept going back and forth to Jamaica and everything. So it was like he's on his own, man. So you know he had that you know father figure kind of role model, twisted, sick and sick fuck father figure. But still, father figure nonetheless. I I don't put so much on the kid, but yeah, as much as this guy, sick fucking. Yeah, because this guy I think was already forty four when they caught him, so he was obviously a grown man. He was older than I am uh, today, but not that age has anything to do with. uh, You got to rub that shit in. (laughs) (laughs) Not that age has anything to do with the ability to understand what murder is. Um, Obviously, I didn't commit murder when I was 20 and I wouldn't commit murder when I was, you know, now that I'm 42. So my point is like uh, that, that it's not it's it's either in you or it's not. Right. And so uh, for me, I understand what you're saying. And I, I love how you kind of almost slid into Crystal's role. Uh, without even really thinking about it, because normally she's the one, the therapist that has that mindset of like, I feel bad for this person until the murders begin. She feels bad for them because their whole childhood and all the trauma they went through, uh, it, it really is one of the, the, the biggest factors of creating a murder. Right. Some people believe you're born with it. Others believe you're you're a product of your surroundings. Either way. Right. 
Um, there are some. I can't, I can't pull those dresses off like Crystal pulls off. There's some so telltale sorry, signs. No, but you did. You yeah. were you were very sympathetic. You understood where this kid came <laughs> from. You talked a little bit about his background, and and it always comes back to the absent father or absent male role model. Let's call it that, right? Uh, but also the the um, the overbearing mother. And I know people are probably tired of hearing me say that freaking word, <laughs> but it's but it's true. Like you hear you know, all these stories and how these you know murderers grew up, and there's so many uh, coinciding you know factors all the time. And this is a little bit different because you've got two guys now working together, but you you hit it right on the head. You hit the nail on the head when you said he's a young impressionable kid, right? And so um, that's these guys. Let me, uh, I'm going to get that into. Also, I think his broken home might have fostered all of his anger, too, if you really think about it, because said because he was so starving for attention. He was so angry at the situation, having bounced back and forth with his friend's mom. They kept moving around a lot and things like that. So that, 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 but uh, how do you say, ignited the anger in him. And then Williams just showed him how to release that anger. Yeah, on everybody he else, was you know? he was the spark, and uh, it it actually is uh, it, you you're probably hitting it the nail on the head even more now because you you're you're saying all these things that make sense with what he turned out to be because when when I tell you guys you know I'm not gonna get into those things yet but when I tell you some of the things this kid did for uh, Muhammad or John Allen whatever you want to call him let's call him J A for J A. Um, what this kid did for him is incredible. You, I mean, it, like it's atrocious, but it's incredible that this kid was willing to do exactly what this guy was telling him. And so it goes back to what you're saying. No wonder he did. Um, he had anger issues, you know, um, growing up the way he did and going around between foster homes and, you know, relocating every, every few months. Um, yeah, I can see now why he was ready to do those things. If you just go backwards um, and read everything that he did, you're like, what the fuck? I don't get this. Why would anyone do this or okay. listen to Mario, somebody? I got I to, gotta, I gotta, you know, give full disclosure here. Okay. I'm not this smart. Okay. I have to tell you that my 14-year-old daughter, Amore, who is way into, like, serial killers and, like, cold cases and, solving murderers who should like listen to all these podcasts i had her do the research on it and just give me the bullet points so i'm really not this smart i sound really smart like i know what i'm talking about but really in all actuality she was my uh research <laughs> analyst on this and gave me all the bullet points and the notes so you know like i said this is you know this is uh it's my it's my little girl yeah know, doing her thing. well so thank, full, thank full, full disclosure and shout out thanks to her uh for for saving the show <laughs> No, but if you want, I can edit this last part out so that nobody has to know and we can continue thinking that you're smart. I mean, it's up to you. Let me know. People can... that know me know I'm not that smart. <laughs> I mean, come on now. So no I mean, wonder that really a, lo knows me. a lot of this, the information you're putting out there, which is great information, came from a female, which no wonder Crystal's the one that's always. And that's why you two are matching up today. So I think it was a great idea. You had your daughter uh, do the research for you. Make some notes. I went to I went to the subject matter expert. So maybe that's another um, I, I I want that's another test there. Um, Crystal always seems to kind of go for that part right of the of the the murderer's life is the the beginning right. She's kind of gravitates to that. Obviously being you know uh, um, a therapist and and having that background I should say 
uh, it probably helps, but maybe being a female, that's what you gravitate to, you know, and maybe your, your daughter kind of gravitated towards that at the beginning. Whereas us, we gravitate to the death, right? We talk, we want to, we want to know how and why no, you, ha- you haven't talked to my daughter lately. So no. Oh, no, is she, back. is she all encompassing? Like she's like, I've got she, everything. She's covered. on our side. She's, okay. yeah, she's on our side. Well, I like that. Too. Well, it sounds, quick. it sounds like she's a lot smarter than us because she does the whole thing. <laughs> Whereas if it was just me, if it was just me and not crystal, I would just be talking about the murders. Right. She kind of brings back everything, the whole picture. So, well, um, bro, so that's we, good. We, we both, have her. We were both 13 series, bro. So that goes to show you that. <laughs> that tells you a lot. <laughs> That tells you a lot. <laughs> Both of us being 13 series just tells us pretty much nothing. <laughs> so obviously you guys know that the dishonorable mention normally entails, uh, you know, a veteran uh, of of any country. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, uh, the U.S. Army or any uh, United States military. It could be you've heard it here. We've talked about some Russian uh, veterans. Uh, from other, you know, obviously from Russia and, and other countries too. So it's not just American veterans or law enforcement or anything to do with that world, right? It's essentially people that swore to protect, you know, the the flock and somehow ended up turning against it. And that's normally what, you know, we talk about with dishonorable mentions. So obviously John Allen Muhammad or John Allen Williams uh, as he was born with, um, was in the military. His mama and, named him John Williams. I'm going to call him John Williams. <laughs> J-A-W. So John, uh, John Allen was born in 1960 on December 31st and uh, was an American convicted murderer uh, from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So some people call him a spree killer. Because he did it all so quickly, but in reality, he is a serial killer. Um, I believe a, ser- a spree killer is someone who does a lot of killings in one, like one day, one night, like a school shooter, an active shooter at a mall, anywhere like that. That, that to me, that's a spree killer, right? And even if they go on for like one day or two days, like where they're just shooting, that that's kind of considered a spree, right? They're running, but yeah, a, yeah, right. But a serial killer, this this lasted over a year. Uh, it did go in chunks, but it did go, you know, or I, I should say almost a year. They almost went for a full year. I think it was 10 months in the end. Uh, but anyway, so I'm going to call him, you know, John Allen, the serial killer, uh, the D.C. sniper. Uh, like I said, he was born in 1960, joined the military in 1978. He actually joined the Louisiana National Guard. And if I may, for the record, state that while he was in the Louisiana National Guard, uh, he did not commit any murders. Uh, but then after uh, he joined the uh, active duty army, um, I'm not saying he committed any murders while he was active duty, but just saying the murder started after he went active. So I don't know. National Guard, active duty. There's a little battle there. So you guys figure that out. Uh, <laughs> who was that, that other sick bastard you guys did the show on not too long ago? Wasn't he from the swamps of Louisiana like that too? Was it? Uh, but that was one of the. It was just a couple of shows ago. Uh, it was another serial killer you did on Dishonored. From Louisiana. Uh, wasn't he from some kind of swamp hillbilly? I'm trying to know? think. Well, the last guy was uh, the Russian guy. Is that how you're no, thinking no, of? The one before, I think the one before that. The one before that. It was. It was a U.S. guy. It was a Vietnam. Uh, Oh, I sorry, dude. I I'm, I know who you're talking about. Yes, yeah. Uh, but but yeah. So maybe or maybe you're right. Maybe you're saying it's the maybe terrain. It's, maybe it's maybe it's something about that swamp water. Maybe it's uh, something there too. That could be that could be true. <laughs> um, I'm gonna have to go back and and check that one out, man. 
Uh, <laughs> I, like you, am not as smart as people might think. <laughs> you, you might think well, me I, smart, but me not so thank smart. You, thank, thank you, Captain Obvious. I don't, I don't know how we're doing the show together, but we've managed to do it before, so <laughs> we'll continue on. So, anyways, so he did, like I said, seventeen years, which is a lot, by the way. Uh, for most of these guys, I don't think I have done a show on anyone that was in the military this long. I think there was one guy. Um, who was maybe in for 12 years. And actually, this is uh, uh, Bales. Yeah, Robert Bales. He was actually still in the military when he did his. His would be considered a spree killing because he did it all in one night. And he killed the the Afghan families, the women and children. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, I mean, that probably the closest to, um, you know, being in the military or the longest, I should say, aside from this guy. Uh, but still, so 17 years um Unless there's another guy that I can't remember of. You guys probably know more than I do. But nonetheless, uh, most of these guys, um, they're not in the military that long. They usually spend maybe four or five years, right? Um, even the um, the Austin uh, the Austin Bell Tower shooter. I don't know if that's who you're talking about, but uh, he was from the South. He was from Texas. But um, that guy was an exemplary uh, Marine, and he only lasted, I think, five years or something like that. So um, it's very rare that you get somebody the, that's this long in the military. You figure uh, by the time they get out, they're older, they're much calmer, they understand the world a little better, they're not angry young kids, you know. Uh, but not John Allen Muhammad. Uh, he left the military and he really couldn't get his shit together. And so he just became an, an angry older guy. And, you know, he, he, he saw he was Black Lives Matter before Black Lives Matter was a thing, right? Uh, and I'm not talking about, you know, what Black Lives Matter should stand for. I'm talking about like the, the, the organization itself, right? Which we can all agree have caused, you know, some, some local terror attacks, you know, there are domestic terrorists. I I mean, they're, they're about as close as you get to, right? So he was that, he had that mentality back in the, in the nineties, right? Already in nineties, early two thousands, he was already thinking that way. Obviously he was in the, the, um, um, Islamic Brotherhood, right? Or Brotherhood of Islam. I, I forget the actual name, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. And that's why he had changed his name to Muhammad from from Williams. So there was obviously already something going on there, right? Uh, there are... And you wonder why he lost his three kids in a custody battle. Hmm. Yeah, so there obviously... And then he had anger issues. Obviously, you know uh, about this. You've read up on it and everything else. So you understand, like he was going through all this stuff too, right? The difference between him going through something at this stage is he was a man at this point, right? Um, mm. He was, you know, married or had children. And so it wasn't like he was, you know, a young kid who was being, you know, uh, molested or being tortured or, you know, being mistreated by his family or didn't have a father figure. Like he was already an older man. And that to me is the, you know, it's one of the stranger things because we don't really have much on his, on his background, unless your daughter was able to somehow, you know, find stuff on this guy. Cause, um, it, there was more stuff on the young kid. Um, his stuff yeah, was, there was a little bit yeah. more interesting, but, uh, John Allen, not much, not much on him, man. And so other than just kind of how he progressively, you know, became angrier, obviously, like you, you mentioned, you know, divorce, you know, lost custody of his kids. And I know there was a lot of stuff there, a lot of accusations of child abuse, things like that. Uh, just really in, I think at the same time that this guy was looking, I guess, for someone else to 
to listen to him, someone to teach, to pass down his, his, uh, the info he had in his head, whatever that other kid, Malvo came it was, around. It was the perfect storm. It yeah. was literally the perfect storm. He was looking for a kid, father. This was looking this for kid this kid. Need, yeah. He needed some stability. He needed a, you know, a father type figure. And then, you know, sick fuck Williams over here, you know, just like I said, lost custody of his kids, things like that. And he, you know, he just, they were in that homeless shelter together. I guess they just kind of gravitated toward each other and, and bonded. And like I said, it was just kind of like a perfect storm. He bonded together. He bonded together. Um, I mean, that's pretty much it about this guy. I don't want to really get more into it because um, I don't think he deserves that much attention. He was a dirtbag, and that's all there was to it. Um, his military career, there was no issues with his career. Um, he was dishonorable. I mean, not uh, sorry. Uh, he was honorably discharged which means that he did nothing wrong. He finished off his contract. I do wonder, though, why he went 17 years and didn't stay another three to complete 20 years. Uh, so even though the record shows he's got an honorable discharge, I wonder if there was some underlining issues that his command said, listen, you can't re-up. Uh, we're not going to kick you out, but just don't re-up anymore and you'll be fine. If you re-up, we're going to bring up these charges or we're going to bring up this, you know, and you'll never get promoted and you'll end up getting kicked out. So might as well not re-up. I wonder if it's, that was a scenario. The downward stuff viral. Maybe the deaths were made. Maybe that's where the downward spiral right? started. You could, you know, they were kind of pushing him out of the military, things like that. His career progression was going nowhere. And then, of course, the divorce thing and you know, the loss of the kids. I mean, you know, it's kind of hard even just transitioning out just on your own when you're not a sick yeah. fuck like this guy, you know, it's hard enough just transitioning out when, you know, you're kind of used to that being around your, you know, the brotherhood and everything. And then you get out and you're just kind of like, okay, I'm on my own here. And then it's tough. You know, so, yeah. It's... So like, again, he uh, might've, uh, might've felt that, you know, he bonded with his kid or something like that. I mean, who knows, man. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, yeah, it might, that might've been the start of the downward right. spiral. <laughs> You know. So obviously, this is one of those topics that that this is where you and I meet, right? This is where we 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 are. I, I guess if 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 we're gonna be experts in anything, um, I think that field is about as close as we get, right? Not only <laughs> not only because we've transitioned, but we've helped so many uh, veterans transition in and out of the military through you know what you know it used to be my actual job, like I used to get paid for that kind of stuff for over seven yeah. years. Uh, and then I also did it, you know, on the side as a volunteer, you've done it the, the same way you've, you've done it as a, as a volunteer, you've, ha you have your own organizations, you work with other organizations. I mean, you, when you talk about the, the ultimate volunteer person, like I always wondered how the fuck are you at three different events at the same time? Uh, because you know, and, and you, and you, and you calmed down a little bit, you used to go to everything. I mean, you oh, were I everywhere. To, I know you. I, I had to, dude. You, yeah. you, you do. You, you, because then you end up like this guy, right? You got to self, <laughs> self help is probably the best thing we can teach our veterans, right? Um, it's something we don't learn in the military. We always help others. We never help ourselves, and that's one of the things me and you have seen. So since, my since since we're since we're going to talk on this subject just real real quick and real briefly, I know this is not the show, but at the same time. What you know, if you got you think about it like this, when you know when you when you are in, you're going to the gas chamber. Like, what's the first thing they teach you? You put on your gas mask first. Yeah. You can't worry about your squad. You got to put your gas mask on first, or else you're going to be you know no good to your squad. Okay. So, to any, all the veterans that are listening out there, hey, so like just like Mario was just talking talking about self help and self help are critical because if you don't have on your gas mask, if you're not if you're not squared away yourself and you, I, you know, you and I both know 
all these you know people want to volunteer and save the world like oh da, 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 da. but you know they're they're fucked up on the inside they're they're trying to fill that gap yep. by volunteering when they really need to introspect and look inside and say okay i need to get my shit squared away first i get my foundation built then i can branch out right and help others and and that that is that is the biggest key i think after that once you figure that out I think you might still need help navigating the waters because they're not easy. They're rough waters, the VA oh, waters. Yeah, of course. But at least you have a good foundation, right? Once you're able to take care of yourself, any any step further, um, you've got a good foundation. And that's, I, that's why I think that's the key. Discovering that first is the key. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because out of all the people me and you helped, out of you know the, the hundreds, if not thousands of, of veterans we've helped, and kind of guided in this, I mean, how many of them would you think would go and kill someone or go on a killing spree like this guy, right? Um, you would hope no one. Obviously, you you don't know what you don't know, like this guy. Right. But but the point is, like, you and I, we would, as, as, as hard of a life, and I know you, and I know where I can speak on this, but you correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to get it right. You and I would never go and harm anybody else, no matter how hard of a life we've had or how rough we're having it right now or harm ourselves. I know. And like, this is where I say I can't speak for you, but I'm pretty sure you are a pretty level headed guy and a pretty strong headed guy. And you are full of pride like myself that you would never end your own life because your life wasn't going well. And I don't think you would go and end anybody else's life. Right. Well, uh, like, if, we're keep, if we're keeping it real, if we're keeping it real, like we always do. Now, back when I was younger, now, of course, now you, you've known me since, like, I've, you know, given my life to Christ. So, you know, I, this is, this is in the BC, I call it the BC days before Christ, yeah. before my <laughs> when Christ started. I was definitely not the person that you, I'm fucking Gandhi compared to what I used to be, okay? Back in the day, I, I you know, I said, I, we, and we just did it, we actually literally just did a sermon on this in church where we're talking about hurt people, hurt people. Well, yeah. I was a hurt person. You know, I came from a, you know, broken home, blah, 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 Pablo's Rolling Stone, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. Right. So that led to a lot of my anger issues. And um, when that happened, I took my anger out on other people on the street. Now, granted, in my old neighborhood, trouble wasn't just, you know, too far away. So if I wanted to get in trouble, I'd get a, you know, a fight any day of the week. Pretty I want. quickly, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a matter if I was going to get into a fight. It was how many fights I was going to get into that day. So, that's the that, that I did take my anger out on other people. And I, I was a hurt person, and I did hurt other people. So I can't if I'm being for being real, I can I can you know really kind of relate to that in a way too. But like I said, but by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, then you know came into my life and calmed the beast down, if you will. So like I said, the person that you know now, and and yeah, I, I'm with. I'm not just gonna walk over you know this dude over here. You know, and just punch him in the face for no reason. You know what I'm saying? But, um, but I will say that back in the day, I would have because you know what? I don't like the way you looked at me. I broke your jaw. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and yet, can't really say that. And so, yes. Yeah, so the Chris that I know, right, is is yes. who I'm talking about. But, but even then, like even even like you said, in in your the way you grew up in the neighborhood you were in, you know, you you could get in a fight, you know, anywhere at any time, pretty much. It wasn't hard to find one yet you came out of there not a serial killer right not a murderer so right. even in the right. harshest 100%. conditions we always talk about this in the harshest conditions most humans 
will still try to do the right thing. They might get in trouble. They might get in fights. They might even, you know, uh, shoot somebody in, in, in rage. But to turn into someone who a savage that consistently is murdering people, innocent victims, uh, a, a serial killer cutting pieces, cutting parts off that we know, right? I mean, for all we know, know. you could be, I could be one too, and we're just pretty good at hiding it. But uh, my my point is that it's very, very, very few people, you know, it's a a 1% population, and this is all over the world, that has this type of ability, let's say, to do something like this. Uh, to be a because, complete sociopath. Yeah, yeah, complete. I mean, like I said, we're not counting murder uh, where it's passion, it's it's rage. It's, I, I pulled out a gun and, you know, I, I, I had all this rage going on because of, you know, something that happened was really, really, really bad that I felt I needed to shoot this person and I can shoot him. And all of a sudden be like, yeah, that was it. I'm, I don't really want to murder people. I don't really want to shoot anybody else. And that shit happens. So even those type of murders don't count towards this, right? It no, takes a very different person to continue to commit, plan, and execute these type of murders, right? And this is where this guy fell under. So not only not only on top of that, not only did he execute the murders, he's sitting there teaching this oh, kid yeah. how to stay front how do you even do that? and how yeah, breath control, trigger squeeze, you know, you know, we're talking, you know, the, the ballistics of trajectory and you know the, the 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 fall at distance and you know the round so he's teaching this kid all this high level sniper shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So not only do you have to be, you know, a, like I said, disassociated sociopath and just do it yourself, but to sit here and teach this other kid, okay, make sure you breathe, make sure your breath controls are, watch your trigger squeeze. You see what I'm saying? It's like, so damn. Dude. He was an egotistical psychopath because <laughs> he wanted to, he wanted to show off his skills as a, as a, as a trainer. I mean, that's gotta, that's military one-on-one, right? I mean, not only do you want to execute, but what is everybody, almost, almost everybody's dream path when it comes to anything in like, let's say law enforcement, the military, fire department, even, even uh, in the civilian world as, as operations or any job you do. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm off topic here because maybe I think differently, but what are most people, what do most people want to get into um, when they get older? And the reason why I mentioned these like, you know, very physical jobs uh, like law enforcement, military, things like that, or active jobs, where you, you know, because as you get older, you don't want to be out in the field as much. Right. You don't want to be right. out there. Yeah, you want to shoot. You still want to have fun. You want to have some kind of connection with your boys, but you know that your body isn't there yet. And especially if you are in a, um, a very special group, like let's say special forces or SWAT teams even more so where they're very, very hard and physical. Um, and as you get older, the one thing that I imagine to going back to my question is training. Wouldn't you say like, if I can tr- continue to live in this field, work in this field, uh, even with my body deteriorating as I get older, if I get into training, who knows better than me? I've been through it all. I've got almost 20 years of experience. I can train yeah. somebody. Training for me. Got all that knowledge. Got yeah. all that knowledge. Got to pour it into something. Back if you're now. a firefighter and you're like, dude, I'm getting too old for this and I, I want to be chief. I want to be this. But but if I get promoted too high up there, I'm going to be away from my boys and I still want to be there. So what's the only, I mean, I, I would say the only, uh, not the only, but maybe the closest thing to staying uh, right next to your brothers and sisters would be training them, right? Because any other promotions, you kind of get further and further away, right? The higher up you go, 
uh, but not training. Training, you're still in touch with them. You, you're passing on your knowledge. And maybe that's a guy thing. I don't know. Uh, but for sure, that's where I always go to. Like, man, any department, everywhere I've ever been to, whether it's in the military or outside of it, training has always been kind of my focus of like, I want to lean towards that direction because I this love it. This guy could have went back to Fort Bragg or something at least or something. <laughs> I know. Obviously, he, he was a good shooter. I mean, it didn't say they call him the, the D.C. sniper because technically he was sniping people. But um, I didn't read anything about him being an actual sniper in the military. They did say he was a great shot expert. Uh, you know, he qualified expert, um, but you know, that's not bad, but there was no mention of him actually having sniper training. Um, not, not at least, uh, like, uh, from the school itself, right? Maybe in his unit, maybe by himself, he had some, but I don't, not actually professionally from the military, unless you read otherwise. It said he served as a marksman in Germany in the middle East. Yeah. Which is normal, right? I mean, we all go through that. That's nothing. He was he was at the top of his class, which means he was a great mm-hmm. shoot or a great shot. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he he didn't have any special training that you and yeah, I didn't I have. I don't I don't have his MOS or anything like that. I don't well, know. it says he started off as an engineer, um, in uh-huh. a combat engineer in the the National Guard, Louisiana National Guard, and then See, maybe because him being a sapper is what fucked him up. Maybe yeah, <laughs> that could be. That's we right. Know, we know a few of those. I've met right? some pretty fucked up engineers. You're right, <laughs> and. Um, but then it says that he got into he was a mechanic when he went active duty and he did a few other stuff, which if you really think about it, you know, he was a great shot, not a sniper, but a great shot. Um, and Shooting them he, squirrels down there, swamp man. He know, was an he was an engineer and he was a mechanic. So going into I guess we can, you know, move forward now then and talk about the actual murders is the vehicle that he used. Um, let's come back to that vehicle when we get closer to the end, because there's a lot more to get into, but don't, don't let me forget of why that kind of, um, might have something to do with the different MOSs or the different jobs he had in the military. So Mm -hmm. we'll go back to that. Let me, um, so we mentioned, you know, him and this kid hooked up, um, they started, uh, the shootings actually started on February 16th in 2002. And the first victim was um, the, I guess she didn't even live in the home she got shot in. She was visiting her mother who happened to be a friend of um, John Allen's ex-wife who apparently gave his ex-wife advice to divorce Mm. him. So, the reason he was at this Gotta place, go. yeah, the reason why I was at this place is he was initially, uh, and, and it's what they believe, he was initially looking for her, which is the, the victim's mother. Um, she's the one who, you know, she was an older lady, and she gave his ex-wife the, you know, she told her, you got to get the fuck out, essentially, right? And and uh, and the wife obviously listened because she divorced them, took the kids. And so obviously this guy, John Allen, still had, you know, issues with this lady, and so he doesn't go himself, though. What does he do? And, you know, take a take a wild uh, shot in the dark. Who did he send to do his dirty work? The kid, right? The kid. He didn't even do his own dirty work. Um, I mean, he did shoot other people later on, but the very first victim um, was shot by this kid. And it was point blank. A lot. I didn't even know this until I started doing the research. The kid literally walked up to the house, the, the young, the daughter, of of the the person they were actually going after happened to open the door and uh, she was picking up her daughter 
uh, from her mother's house. Um, and that's what she was there for. So it just, it just, it was, um, it, it was the perfect storm. Um, it was just, you know, bad day. I mean, if it wasn't her, it was going to be her mother. So it was going to be bad either way, right? Whoever opened the door, yep. Whoever opened the door. And so, and so she did, and he mentioned how he was working on his people skills. Um, I mean, he, he, sorry, he mentions this in an interview later on, the kid, Malvo. And um, he was working on stuff that John Allen had taught him, right? And he was, you know, talking to this lady, uh, trying to connect with her. I don't even know what he used to kind of bait her in. But apparently he mentions that he was making her laugh and they were having like a uh, about a two, three minute conversation. And he even thinks about he even talks about in this interview uh, where he listens and he hears the daughter like a little uh, the, the laughter of a little kid in the background. And he goes, I can't make this person into a human. I have to dehumanize them. This is the target. Uh, there is no emotions. There's no feelings. And that's all he's thinking about as he's pulling his gun or his hand up with the gun and then shoots her right in the head. And then he leaves and, you know, um, John Allen was waiting for him in, in, in a vehicle down the block and they took off. That was the very first murder. And then obviously after that, there were several other murders. But it's incredible to think that this kid, um, you know, who was being coached by this guy is doing this guy's dirty work. It's not even just random people like this guy's like got a hit list and he's mm -hmm. he's making this kid go do it for him. And every time he does something, he's like he. He says, well, you got to do better. You kind of messed up here. You kind of messed up there. So he's even doing AARs with him, right? For those of you that don't know, <laughs> he's doing after action reviews about every murder. I mean, it's it's funny. It's How fucked up is that? I know. It's funny right now. It's so fucked up. But you're like, imagine like this is insane. The, the shit that they're talking about. And um, so anyway, so that one happens. Uh, and then... They go to Alabama, uh, Arizona. There was a few other states. They were Virginia. And so they committed murders. Like, they committed seven actual murders uh, before they even became the D.C. snipers. Before they were sniping, before they were shooting out of their vehicle, they had already committed seven murders on the road in different states, like three or four different states. Uh, and these were, you know, like, gunshots to the head you know these were up close and personal obviously when all this was going on nobody had connected it so nobody knew yet they didn't talk about it right so unless you kept up with the case you didn't really hear about all these other murders especially the one here the one out here in in tucson was uh was was pretty pretty crazy too there was a, a guy in a golf course just you know putting around and the kid came out of nowhere. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. This one, he did shoot him from a little bit further out, but it was not not that far. He was like in the bushes um, and shot this guy uh, with his, his rifle. I think this was one of the first like rifle shots. And uh, nobody was the wiser. Nobody knew anything else. Nobody had seen nothing. Nobody found anything. So this one went unsolved for a while. So if it wasn't for them getting caught in D.C., he may have ne we may have never discovered who the shooters was for that Tucson one and, the, you know, all the other states, too. So. Um, so it's, random going like so you most people have like a kill zone they got yep. the kill box there these guys are going all over state to state so i mean how imagine trying to track that down would just be so random you know what i mean yeah it was it was pretty crazy man it was uh and they call it the um uh shit i forget they have like the pre you know the um the before you know the the dc attacks and then the you know the, the dc attacks themselves so you know, like I said, he killed seven people before the D.C. attacks and injured, uh, let me see, three, 
injured three uh, altogether. They and then obviously once the DC the shooting started, they killed ten people uh, through the you know uh, the sniper method, if you will, and then seven injuries altogether. So there was a total of seventeen killed from beginning to end. So like I mentioned, the wow. the shootings began in February of two thousand two. And ended on October 24th and you know that October was so the spree killings that I guess that's what they're calling happened all in October so the first deaths happened over probably six months or so and they were just going state to state killing random people pretty much his hit list if you will and then somewhere in October they decided to start sniping people from their vehicle and that's where most of the deaths came from that's and that's where we we know him as the the DC sniper. So, do you remember that, by the way, when this is going on? I, you know, I remember when when you when you. I, of course, I hadn't thought about it in a really long time. But then when you said, "Hey, we're going to do the show on this," of course, that like brought me back. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. Damn." You know what I mean? Yeah. I forgot. I'd totally forgotten all about it. It's kind. Of, but I. But and then when you when you brought it up again, I I remember because they. I think somebody was. I don't know if it was like. A and E or like one of those things. They're they're gonna do a thing on this, and then when you said it, I'm like, oh, so I, I kind of maybe thought that's what sparked the idea of you doing it was that they're they're gonna actually do a special on this or something like that, or they're gonna you know rebring oh, back yeah. up or something something to that effect. So I thought maybe you had caught that. But okay, yeah, let's do a show on the DC sniper. So so I hadn't really thought about it. Then when you said, hey, we're gonna do a show on it, I'm like, oh, that's right. Oh snap, yeah. So. Um, I'll tell you what, what caught me off guard, too, is that somebody recently just married this kid. <laughs> oh, really? Some, I didn't even see that. Some uh, He recently got married to uh, Carmita Al- Alvaros, a mentor, while oh. he's in prison. Wow, that's okay, nice. So now, who's An- the really sick Another mentor? Guy? Yeah, but this, uh, yeah, uh, this Carmita Alvaros, or whatever the hell her name is. Um, yeah, she ma- I guess she recently married this kid. Wow. Like, um, really how really fucked up in head are you <laughs> yeah his um his mentorships haven't gone too well so he doesn't have a great record with mentors so we'll see how this one goes apparently she doesn't have a great record with men if she's marrying this dude but anyway no kidding and i know that um well we'll get into it once we get to to the end so we'll talk about kind of how their you know their demise if you will but uh i'm gonna skip ahead from Obviously, all the stuff they did from February on, uh, like I said, they, they, they shot someone on a golf course. They shot someone uh, point blank just by opening their, you know, their door after talking to them for a few minutes. It was almost like a game, right? See how good your skills can get. And then once, you know, you're done, shoot them. You're like, you're like this is insane. Uh, there was a uh, 41-year-old uh, Million A. Waldemarium. That's that's a real name. Million A. Waldemarium was fatally shot in the head and back with a 22 caliber pistol in Atlanta, Georgia. So that was another state they were in. All right. Another one here. 19 hours later on the same day, Claudine Parker, 52-year-old uh, liquor store clerk in Montgomery, Alabama, was shot in the chest and killed during a robbery. Uh, and then September 23rd, uh, 45-year-old Hong M. Ballinger was shot in the head and killed with the Bushmaster's rifle in Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So as you can see, within a few months, they were already in three different states. That's not even talking about Arizona uh, and Virginia and then Maryland, right? So obviously the transients, they were all over the place. So that's one of the reasons they were hard to, to find, right? And that last one on the September 23rd was, was the last one 
uh, before they went off on their what everyone calls the quote unquote spree, uh, <laughs> uh, killing spree. And that started, that got kicked off on October 2nd, 2002. Uh, a shot was fired through a window of a Michael's craft store in Aspen Hill. So the bullet missed the lady, uh, the clerk. And so since nobody was hurt, this is weird, but this is exactly what the report says. Since nobody was hurt, no a report was, was filed. And so everybody went on. As you if. mean somebody, a shot in D.C. didn't get reported? I mean, <laughs> it's, so, it's so rare, right? I mean, who, who, who right? does shootings in D.C.? I mean, really? <laughs> So, yeah, so obviously that's probably a reason why nobody cared, right? Yeah. Uh, but then an hour later, uh, James Martin, a 55-year-old uh, program analyst at NOAA NOAA, was shot and killed at 22 Randolph Road uh, at a shopper's food warehouse. So they missed one, and they said, fuck it, let's go find another one, and they got one, and they shot him. And then the morning of October 3rd, Four people were shot dead within a span of approximately two hours in Aspen Hills and other nearby areas in Montgomery County. Another was killed that evening in Tacoma, neighborhood of District of Columbia. So five people one day, six people in two days, if you really think about it. Uh, seven shots, one miss and six kills. I mean, that's insane. That's freaking insane. I mean, these guys at this point, what are you thinking now? Like, what do you think they're thinking? Like, is it, this is it? Like, let's go on a spring. Uh, keep saying the fucking wrong word. That's the whiskey talking. A killing spree. I mean, what do you, what do you, what is going on through their heads? Like, why you, you all of know, a sudden? Even just, even just us sitting here talking about it, my jaw is kind of like hanging out like, God damn. Yeah. I mean, you that's a lot. Fucked up. <laughs> and if you notice, you know most mean? of these people were older. Uh, they probably picked slower targets or easier targets. I don't know. Um, but they uh, obviously they were looking for opportunities, right? Or targets of opportunity. So Target obviously, yep. so they killed um, a, more than half of their, their, their from their spree killing days um, in two days. They killed more than half of their, of the people they were going to kill towards mm -hmm. the end. Um, so obviously they ended up going to kill four more people, but that was spread out throughout the month. Uh, at this point, they had gotten a lot of reports from people. Uh, and so they finally, um, got the information that they thought it was coming from a vehicle, right? Cause they had no idea they, the places they were shooting from, there was openings everywhere that were to make it possible for someone to shoot from, but they finally pinned it down to, uh, it had to come from a vehicle. Now, the only thing is... Couldn't find the casings and everything else. Yeah, because they were inside the vehicle, right? But mm -hmm. how well is human, uh, the human brain, the human memory, uh, human uh, testimony? I mean, is it the best, would you say? No, no, it's unreliable. It's horrible, right? Everybody thought yeah. for some reason that this shot came from a white van. And because humans are amazing creatures and <laughs> we don't remember shit and yet law enforcement <laughs> still uses that as evidence, they were looking for a white van everywhere. Everywhere. I remember, I, I do remember that been people calling out. And so everywhere you saw a white van, because they're like, oh, we don't know where they might be. They might be across the state. They might be in California now. I mean, everybody was on alert. Everybody was on alert. And anytime you saw a white van, 
especially if you were pumping gas, because if you guys remember, a lot of these happened at gas stations. And so people, it did affect the industry. People were not going to get gas uh, or they were only going during certain hours, right? No one was going at night uh, to get gas. It was the weirdest thing. And um, it, it was so bad that gas stations, especially around the D.C. and East Coast area, started putting tarps along the sides of their, their, uh, the gas pumps so that you weren't visible. That's how bad it got. That's how scared people were that they, um, they were putting tarps up on gas stations because you had no idea. So obviously after you know, they got some attention, they chilled out for a few days. Uh, possibly like a week or so until they started they started back up again right and so by this point uh closer to the 20th of october they had gotten a word that it may actually be uh, a blue uh like a celica to something like that uh, you know uh, uh just like a sedan type car and uh, but it was blue and it was a car not a white van so where they got this white van from i don't know I think one of the shootings may have had a white van parked nearby and somebody said something or somebody saw the video and from there on everybody said it's a white van and they started looking for white vans everywhere but it it turned out to be not a white van that they were looking for right so here's a funny story related to this is at one of the shootings or one of the shootings uh, or near an area nearby one of the shootings there was a white van parked there the police immediately uh, went to that white van discovered there was two guys in it these two guys pablo and and flaco i don't know they were two illegals i don't really know their names i'm fucking around (laughs) i don't know their names but it was two illegals and i feel bad for these guys because these guys were probably they're in a white van so i mean unless they're doing some bad shit they're probably just trying to get a job they're probably painters they're probably mechanics who who knows they were driving a white van utility van and they're just trying to make the dream come true, man. Like they were already here. They were already like established. And all of a sudden, because people get the wrong vehicle identification, these two guys happen to be sitting in a white van and get caught and they get deported. <laughs> so I kind of feel bad, guys. Sorry. I'm just saying I, I kind of feel bad for these two. Like, just think about it. Like, what must they be saying? In, like, if it wasn't for the DC sniper, I'd still be in fucking Jersey, bro. Fucking gringos. Fucking, fucking gringos way. Like, they think I'm the shooter, man. I don't shoot, man. I can, I can paint walls, man. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so can you imagine these two guys? Like, the I only love... gun I'm using is a fucking spray gun. I can't believe. Quit yeah. fucking with me. <laughs> Quit fucking with fuck? me. <laughs> I just want a job, way. <laughs> um, um, it, it's it's uh, it, it'd be a fun story to tell, right? Be like, yeah, we got caught because we got mistaken for a serial killer, you know, driving a white van. Who, by the way was never driving a white van. <laughs> so, I don't know. Fuck with us, <laughs> don't, don't fuck with us. I I see the irony. I see a lot of things in this story. I see a movie, bro. I see a movie made of these two guys, like a Cheech and Chong. Very good. It's called Born in East LA. Sorry, man. Imagine you get you get you get you get taken back to Mexico. Born in East LA. I was <laughs> You got a you got a passport? A passport? I don't need no passport. I'm American. <laughs> so imagine that hat like that. That's the twist. That's that's the new twist on Born in East L.A. These two guys get caught in, in a van and they think they're the, the serial killers. I see some potential in there, man. Let's get your daughter start writing to help us out. 
So anyways, getting back on track, um, that that was just a side story that was kind of shitty, but it goes along with this. So because of this guy, not only did he, he killed 10 people and, uh, or I mean, he killed 17 people and injured, you know, uh, 10 or whatever. And he also got two guys deported. Like what other serial killer can say that that's on their record? I, uh, yes, I have, uh, right. 50 murders and two deportations. Two oh. deportations. And I talked to the manager of the Michaels and I got one person fired. <laughs> Some, somebody out there's like, fuck you, man, right, man. Fuck you, ain't got them deported, man. They're, they're fucking heroes, man. Oh, yeah. Some Those motherfuckers. I know. Some, <laughs> those motherfuckers. <laughs> damn. That's right. That's God right. Give them motherfuckers a medal for getting them fucking illegals deported. God uh, damn it. You know they sh- they killed 17 people, right, sir? <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? Fuck it. They probably deserve that shit, too. But fuck it. We got them illegals deported. God damn it. <laughs> you got to do That's what you got to do. Oh man, this is hilarious. This is exactly what, this is that's exactly what Crystal would have said. So I'm glad. I'm 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 excited. You're you're fitting right in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here you go. Yeah, and when I, I guess I should I should clarify that that's not what Crystal would actually say. That's what she would say on the show. <laughs> you, that's hilarious. That's exactly what Crystal would say in real life. <laughs> Oh, that, <laughs> that ended this up being kick my ass. <laughs> that ended up being a lot better than I thought, man. <laughs> I knew I knew I had you on here for a reason. Um, so, anyways, once they got the car correct, uh, it was a, a blue Chevrolet Caprice. No wonder I didn't remember the name. It's a piece of shit car, but uh, perfect for two pieces of shit. So. Um, their their last murder was on the let me double check over here on I believe the twentieth and then they got caught on the twenty fourth. So the way they got caught was they had finally put out the right color, the right car, and uh, people started sending reports in. Well. They, they, get be... some, they got some tip about somebody claiming to be the sniper, but it really wasn't them. Yes, they actually got a lot of them. There was one that kind of stuck that they they thought they were they, they actually had them. Uh, but yeah, of course, it wasn't. There's always copycats when it comes to this. Uh, but no, they actually ended up parking along uh, the side of the road. Let me um, get to my my notes here on, on the side of the freeway. I guess it was the, the beltway. And somebody reported the car because they actually saw the blue, you know, uh, Caprice and uh, reported it. So once they once they reported it, obviously, the police, um, you know, went to investigate it. And sure enough, you know, they found the the car and they saw because it was in the middle of the night or I guess the morning. It was like two or three in the morning. I just want to premise this that my research analyst, you know, my crack research analyst. You know, my 14-year-old daughter did put it in here that there was a tip directed from to the police from uh, from Alabama on the crime scene where a brochure was left, and they got I guess they got some fingerprints on these guys from Alabama, and that's how they matched them up with these guys. So, so that was kind of part of it. Ooh, there you go. That's that's a good piece of evidence to note right there. Yeah, I mean, obviously they were leaving evidence everywhere, and it, it was only a matter of time, right? Once they got caught, um, everything was going to come together. Right. Uh, Arizona, the, you know, Georgia, Virginia, all the different states uh, that they were in. Um, 
you know, were it was because they they weren't the the cleanest. They they did leave some evidence in some of these areas, but it wasn't enough to if you didn't have the bodies or if you didn't have uh, the people, you had it no one to compare left, to. A brochure left the fingerprints. Brochure and, left with fingerprints. And that was and do, did she say what it was the brochure about? Like did that, it stand it, out? No. Like no, it'd be cool. It's like any... how to how to murder ten people in five days for dummies. <laughs> You know, the, the sniper for dummy book, like that'd be cool if it was like something like that. Uh, so anyways, like Diet, I said, diets, diets for snipers when you're on the road. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, did, I, I actually didn't read about that, but did it say that they would wear? I think, I think, that, I think it was a brochure on like KOA sites or something like that for snipers when you're kind of traveling across. Yeah. The, cross, traveling across the site. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> like one of those Disney maps that tells you, you are here. <laughs> Kill zone one is here. <laughs> Drive fifty miles this way for kill zone two. Um, so no, but I'm wondering if they did have like, did they get so into it that they would wear like those diapers, so they could sit there for like hours and hours and shit if they had to. I wonder if they got or into they, that. They were just homeless douchebags who just shit on themselves. Or uh, yeah, that's true too. And, and they were in, and they were in a caprice. So yeah, so nobody really cares not. about that. Yeah, so around um, two in the morning, uh, the cop. There was an un, 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 uh, undercover police officer. Words are hard. Uh, there was an <laughs> undercover police officer. Especially when you've been drinking that, uh, what's that, ab- what's that absinthe shit or whatever Ooh, else? I know, that absinthe, yeah. Absinthe. Speaking of absinthe, yeah. uh, go check out Absinthe Minded AZ for See, one of our sponsors. See, I had to throw the plug in. Yeah, I know. You like how I led into that? We also we also have a sweet stash uh, for all your uh, baked goods. Go check them out on Instagram and Facebook. See, I, I did that. They're also at the top of the show. Just listen to the the intro, and you'll hear the 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 sponsors, guys. Um, but anyway, so they started with one guy. He blocked them in with an undercover car, while the SWAT team came and blocked off the entrance and exits to this uh, this uh, resting spot off the side of the freeway. And they even went as far as to con- commandeer a tractor that was nearby and actually used it uh, to block off one of the exits uh, just because obviously it's harder to get through a tractor than, than a vehicle. And so they were trying to get everything down uh, perfect so that before they you know, went in for, for, for the kill or the arrest, if you will. Uh, but it started with them shattering the windows of, of the car and then literally just you know dragging them out. So, I mean, at this point, obviously they were... They were somewhat sure that it was it was these guys for them to just kind of go in there like that. Plus, I mean, obviously they're dangerous, so you're not gonna you're not gonna go knock on their window, right, and be like, hey, uh, hey, hey, can you uh, roll down your window real quick? I license see got, registration, please. Yeah, license registration. Yeah. I, I see you got a sniper there, and uh, but uh, you know, just, it's it's quite all right, sir. Just uh, keep your hands on the steering wheel, and uh, I'm gonna go get these. Uh, papers looked at fuck no you're gonna smash windows and grab them and then ask questions later right and so obviously they were correct it was these guys so they had been sleeping in the in this vehicle and what they discovered uh and this is where remember earlier i said remind me about this he was an engineer right in the military then he was a mechanic uh obviously he was a great shot so all those things kind of came together when he created this monstrosity right well first of all it's a caprice. So like I said, any anything he does to it is probably going to be an improvement. He essentially <laughs> he essentially made created a sniper's nest in the back on the tr- through the trunk of the vehicle. He created mm-hmm. a little hole 
and I believe it was behind or somewhere nearby the license plate where he could move the or slide the license plate over a little and open up that that hole that they shot through. And then um, the back of the vehicle, um, I believe he made it so that you could get through it through the back seat, like you could pull it out, and then you could have a, a yeah. laying an area where you like a sniper's nest, essentially, right? Yep. And that's where they would lay and, and shoot their victims from that from that vehicle. So you know the the military did teach this guy a little something, I guess. He you know kind of engineered that that little sniper's nest and uses mechanical skills to work on the vehicle. So. Uh, don't ever let anyone tell you, uh, young engineers and mechanics in the military, that you can't grow up to be something special. Your 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 techniques every, every armor crew are needed. Out there. You're damn right. You're damn, damn right. right. Now join the army. Every MOS is yeah. special. Every MOS is special. <laughs> so Mohammed, um, to finish it off with him, because you kind of talked a little bit about Malvo, and I'll let you talk more about him. But Muhammad, um, he was sentenced. Huh? Oh yeah, what fucking John Allen Williams, whatever. J J J A. He got the death sentence, and in two thousand nine, uh, was actually sentenced to death. Used the the lethal injection, if I'm not mistaken. Now, don't you think? You know, we could take some of our friends from the last last episode. Mm, this is the perfect. Douche, when you when perfect. you when you get a douchebag like this, just let some of our friends from our past episode get a hold of this guy for about five minutes. Yeah, there was and um... and, and, and live stream that shit, and that would be all the deterrent you need. You want to fuck around and be a douchebag? This is what's going to happen to you. I bet you a lot more people will think about before they go out and go yeah. on killing spree. Just saying. Yeah, I, I and just, and for just, those of you that don't saying. know. Chris is talking about our torture episode where we have some pretty demented friends, which I'm, I'm glad they're my friends uh, because of the, the, the things that that they talk about with uh, the, the torture. Right. And uh, I love it. I love it. You know, uh, some of them, obviously, most people I'll say this. Most people said if their family, you know, was hurt, their their kids, anything involving them. That's Children. what would cause Definitely. you to torture somebody or do something really evil to somebody else, right? Uh, most people. Now, I have other friends that said, if you steal one of my fries, I will murder you, right? And so <laughs> we had different levels of what does it take for you to commit torture. But either way, <laughs> some very creative uh, techniques were, were thrust upon us uh, last week. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, go check out last week's episode, uh, Torture. <laughs> And uh, you'll find out what we're talking about. And yes, some of those would definitely have worked on this guy, right? Before, uh, you know, obviously kill him at the end. But uh, before he goes, you got to have a little fun, right? Especially for the things that he did. Um, it, and, would deter, it would deter other people from, from preventing the same type of thing. Yeah. And the, it's weird because this one doesn't sound as gruesome as some of the past ones. I mean, we've talked about... You know, the butcher of Rostov, right? The freaking serial killer in Russia that killed mainly children, uh, sexually assaulted them. He couldn't do anything himself because he was impotent, but he sexually he still figured out ways to sexually assault them and and um, mutilate their bodies afterwards, you know, using knives, sticks, his own teeth, ripping their skin apart. Um, that guy was horrible, right? That guy was a piece of shit. Jeffrey Dahmer cut his victims up in little pieces, froze them, and occasionally ate them. 
um, you know, John Wayne Gacy sexually sodomized, destroyed young young men, and then before murdering them. Right? These are disgusting acts. This guy shot somebody through a vehicle from long distance. Yes, some closer at the beginning, but there was no mutilation or no nothing afterwards. Right? That makes you go. This was so disgusting. Unfortunately, yes, he killed a lot of people, and that in itself is horrible. But I, I think that the reason why this guy's not as popular on, on when it comes to these serial killer type folks is because it was a simple shot, right? He didn't do anything extra to, to get that attention. And I, I don't know if that's good or bad or whatever, but uh, I think it, it took away from what he actually did, right? He's in myself. I'm thinking when I'm reading all this stuff before that, I'm like, okay, so he shot some people. And it's it's unfortunate that obviously people love hearing, you know, uh, about this kind of stuff, the information that that's out there, you know, one, so we just, we're just curious people, what causes someone to do this, but also, you know, kind of to prevent, you know, or to be prepared for, for anything, right. To just understand the psychology of, of, of humans. Um, but, but it is kind of unfortunate that unless it's gruesome, some people don't really care, right. Or don't think it's as big of a deal or, or just, they it just, they forget about it. Right. But this guy deserved the death penalty. We're so we're so, decent, we're do, so desensitized. desensitized. To yeah, now. yeah. To where it's like, oh, you guys shot a few people. Okay, yeah. The, yeah. the mutilation and the, obviously the and the fact I think also these guys weren't like seeking the fame, like they weren't like Son of Sam or like that right. or like you know. Well, they did at the end. Were. They did write two letters. And yeah. uh, stating that they wanted ten million dollars. They want ten million dollars. Yep. Or they were going to start hurting children too and so uh, uh, this that reason is actually why they were able to give john allen the death penalty because uh they considered him a domestic terrorist uh simply uh, obviously all the other stuff he did but the fact that he wrote a letter asking for 10 million dollars uh, that automatically like kind of put him into that level without without even real argument from 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 the courts um that itself you know, is what gave him the death penalty and uh, which is fine because I think he deserved it anyways, regardless of that letter or not. I think the things he did were atrocious and there's no reason for him to be, you know, part of our society. There's no need for him anymore. Even in the prison systems, why are we wasting our time with these people that are never going to see the, the the light of day? Right. I, I know that'd be more torturous for me to spend the rest of the day, uh, the, my days in my in, in jail. Than to just be, you know, just fucking get rid of me, man. I'm, I'm never going to get out. What, what do you need me here for? I'm just wasting your taxpayers' money. But nonetheless, um, so he did, uh, he was executed in 2009. Now, this kid, the interesting part is that he was under 18 at that time. And so there is, there was a trial that said that you could not give somebody life or a death sentence if they were under 18 and they deserved a retrial at some point, right? And then there was another trial. They were trying to say that once, if you're under 18, once you commit, you know, once you're uh, in prison for over 20 years or 20 years, then you're you've done your time. And so obviously, I th- oh, I don't know if they're still working on that or how that that's going, but you know a little bit about that because you obviously talked about him being married. So he's not out, is he? Right now, I, I no, didn't he's, read. Nope, he's uh, cur- currently still serving uh, life, life right? sentences without parole in Virginia. On top of the six life uh, sentences he's got for Maryland, so, so he's got two, he's got he's got life sentences for Virginia and Maryland. And Maryland. So I don't think even if he gets away in one of the states, I 
I don't know if it was Maryland or Virginia that said that someone under 18, if they commit a crime under 18, they can't spend more than 20 years in prison. Even if he gets away with that one state, he still has six more. Maryland's going to get him next. Yeah, yeah. so I, I don't think this guy's ever going to get out despite of the, the different laws, the different rules, whatever, the, you know, the appeals. I don't. I think this guy's gonna rot in prison, right? From from yeah, the, the you sound never of know. It. This is the Biden. This is the Biden administration. So you think you he? Know. You think he gets out and 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 uh, pardons this guy? Uh, I don't know Kamala Harris. You Dude, know, she, if she, she, if they pardon this kid, then I think Tiger King should be next. Just saying. <laughs> I think Trump should have pardoned Tiger King. I think he was oh he was the only person who would ever. He was the closest one. I mean, Tiger King even had a, a limo. Waiting outside the prison uh, on on Trump's last day just because he thought he was gonna pardon him and poor little Tiger King's got to spend the rest of his days in prison. Yeah. <laughs> can I can I can I tell you can I tell you something funny? I have absolutely no. I've never read anything about this Tiger King dude. I know nothing of the subject. Like what I'm saying, I, I you I still know don't zero about still don't. You know, and you know what? Don't care to dude. Tiger King is a hero, well, bro. Tiger King saved us during the pandemic. Tiger okay. King. <laughs> it, there was that that's the only thing that got us through the past that's that's the only thing that united us during uh 2020 oh, bro stop it <laughs> tiger tiger king was the the, the save the pandemic <laughs> um no but anyway so yeah it's 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 obvious this kid's probably never going to see the 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 light of day even though there's some you know different states that have different laws different rules um he's got to go through uh, at least two different states, and he's got seven different uh, murder cases or, or life sentences. So, you know, good luck trying to get through well, he, through all he that. He claims BLM, Kamala Harris will get him out. So good. We'll see, man. But um, he did write an apology letter to one of the surviving victims, which I thought was uh, a little strange and maybe trying to set himself up to to be liberated. Some Some smart lawyer said, hey, listen, if you start writing apology letters to the people that survived – uh, and maybe to the families of the the fallen, uh, you, the judge might see that and that you've changed your ways. So why don't we start doing that? Which maybe maybe not. I don't want to be so cynical. Maybe he is, you know, uh, found forgiveness. Or, I mean, found uh, found uh, you know God or something. I don't know. Uh, but he, you know, or maybe he's playing the system. Who knows? It's 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 hard for me to to judge and, and trust someone in that case because. If I was there in his shoes and you in the freaking uh, lawyer told me I got to do this and this will give me my a bigger shot at getting out of prison, I might do it myself. Right. But I don't know. Uh, who knows? Yeah, what, 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 what do you got to lose? Yeah. So e either way, I just thought I'd throw that out there. So it sounds like he's uh, he's trying. Obviously, he's married now. So this chick saw something in this kid, which I don't know. <laughs> How old would he be now? Let's see. He was 17 then, and this was in 22, what, 2002. Shoot, this kid's almost uh, almost 40, huh? Yeah, so he's born 85. Yeah, so he's yeah, 30, 36, something. Still, pretty, he's getting up there. So, fuck, yep. man. That's been a long time. So, either way, both deserve what they got. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I remember it was it was kind of weird because even myself here in Arizona, I remember getting gas and people were acting kind of funny because they said, you know, be careful. These these guys are traveling, so they might be going to the, the West Coast. And to this day, you know, so if you see me at a gas station wearing a veil, 
you know, like a little sniper's veil and camouflage. That's just me trying to hide from from any p- possible snipers out there. So don't. Or if uh, you see me in a, if you see me in a white van, don't, don't worry. Just assume. Yeah, I no, just assume good. you're illegal. that's got to be the the best part of this story the saddest no sorry the victims are the saddest but the second saddest thing is the two guys that got deported because someone someone caught the wrong van it wasn't even a van it's not a van this is bullshit this is bullshit (laughs) i want back in (laughs) essay Oh man, that's gringo hilarious. fucking with me all the time. Yeah, fucker. you got me on a technicality essay. <laughs> <laughs> Violated my fucking rights. <laughs> fucker. I want back in. Yeah, <laughs> the fucking kid got married and I'm over here stuck in Mexico. Fuck you, what gringo. The fuck? <laughs> I'm telling you, bro, that's got to be a movie starring me and you, <laughs> with our horrible accents too. We would, we it would be, dude. That movie would either be the best thing. That movie would either either be what saves us and brings everyone together, or it'll get us canceled forever. So, uh, either one, I would enjoy the ride, dude, because that sounds hey, like a hilarious movie, bro. My here is my crack research analyst as we speak here, Amore. Oh, say, say hi to say hi to the audience. Oh. Tell her thank you very much for researching a murderer and his. Uh, <laughs> his his young uh, uh, assistant uh, for Mario you. Mario said, thank you very much for researching a murderer and his young assistant for the show. You oh, said, yeah, no problem. <laughs> That's hilarious. She's <laughs> like, I love it. Any, she, she saved the You saved the entire show. Anytime. Yeah, anytime uh, I need that, I'll, I'll just call you up. But I know you, you ironically, uh, we talked about the DC sniper who happened to be doing uh, committing these murders from a vehicle. And you sat in a vehicle while you were waiting for your daughter the whole time. So irony, I don't know. Um, you don't, re- you didn't, but you didn't, you didn't hear the report of the rifle while I was doing the show, right? I did not know, so that's okay. So, okay, then, then I did my job. Right, and you did, so, you did well. So, because you know, as an FO, you know, I can't be, you know, I call shoot movie communicate. I can't be, you know, I gotta, you know, they, they find out where I'm at. Then <laughs> yeah. I'm screwed. So now, now that you're, now that you've uh, done the deed, you're, you're, you're taken <laughs> off, right? So, with that being said, thank you very much. Uh, Christopher, I'm not the DC sniper, I swear. <laughs> Flowers. Or the, or the good, or the Goodyear sniper. Yeah, or the Goodyear. Uh, I'm outside the wire, Aguire. Thank you, everybody. Love you guys. Peace.